Philippians chapter 1, and last week we kicked off a series called Great Expectations, and uh, Pastor David Stolberg kicked that off, talking about being thankful for the seasons. I am thankful for Pastor David filling in for me, because, man, it's just good to get a break sometimes. You get reinvigorated, and I feel fired up and ready to minister the word of the Lord this morning. Let me tell you something right now. We are in a moment in America. I mean, it just kind of seems like, on one hand, the culture is growing crazy, and on the other hand, you know, we've got a, a case before the Supreme Court right now, Jackson versus Dobbs. I've been following that. That could have major implications for abortion, things that people have been praying about, moral rights in our country. And so, man, th- these are interesting times. And I believe that, you know, there's difficult days ahead for America. We've talked about that. You should probably be prepared. But, man, there is so much for us to be thankful for in the times that we're living in. So, uh, Let's read Philippians chapter 1. I want to read verses uh, 3 through 6 and then pray. This is what Paul said. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul was grateful and appreciative for the church at Philippi. He said, always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word that's effective. It's like a fire in my bones today. And I I just thank you, God, that your hand is with us all of our days, that you are a father who's watching out over us to grow us. And you're the head of this home. You're the head of this church. We just thank you for the word of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Now, Pastor David filled in for me last week. Speaking of Pastor Dave, there is a proverb, Proverbs 17, 17, and it says that a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, but a brother, or we could say brother-in-law, is born for adversity. And when I read that verse in Proverbs, I honestly used to think that it meant that your friends were there to love on you, but brothers were there to fight with you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had, I had one time where I almost got into it with Pastor Daniel, but he's a nice guy, so I didn't do that. But David, D- David, I don't fight with because, A, he's huge, and he, he, he's very vengeful and vindictive. And uh, I've come across his wrath at various times. And, and so when I think about adversity, I think about Pastor David, <laughs> who's been there for me in so much adversity, man. What the verse really means is that they're there to help you, they're there to walk with you, they're there to hold your hands in difficult situations. And I'm blessed with some of the greatest brother-in-laws, man. I'm so appreciative and so grateful for the family that God has given me. And when I think about the trials I've been through in life, I've had some guys that have been there with me through them, held my hand, picked me up. And I guess what I'm going to teach you this morning is that I am grateful for adversity because God uses it. Last week, Pastor David highlighted that we should be thankful for seasons. And this morning, what I want to highlight is the way that God works to mature you. And what he does is he uses adversity. He uses uh, three to six inches of snow on a Sunday morning you know, to kind of get you ready for what's to come. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. This is what he said. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it. Uh, this, ver- this verse tells me, that God is working to complete me. He is working to perfect you, to mature you. And as I read the verse, it tells me that when God starts something, he, don't, he, he will finish it. 
Whenever God starts it, he's going to follow through. He's going to make sure that the work is completed, that it's taken care of. And, and he's, he's not lackadaisical with you. I mean, he works that. That's why in chapter 2, he said that he works to will and to do for his good pleasure in your life. You're his workmanship. And he, you're like a lump of clay. And what he's doing is forming and molding you at all times. Yeah. When we talk about being perfected, you know, we're not talking about the perfection of your body. If you want that, you've got to go to the gym. We're not talking about the perfection of your intellect. We have, you know, college courses for things like that to help you grow. Or if you study the scriptures, the byproduct is it'll help your mind become sharp. What we're talking about when we talk about being perfected has to do with your spirit man growing in the things of God. It's the maturing that that takes place from the inside out that God does in your life. And, And this is something he's always at work doing for you. He said, he who's begun it will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That means there's coming a day when he's going to perfect your whole spirit, soul, and body at his resurrection. At the resurrection when he comes. And you're going to have a resurrected body, perfect and complete. And until that day, he's ever working in your life. There's an interesting verse in the book of Job, which tells us that God is testing man. He meets man every morning, and he tests man at every opportunity. He's always working something out in your life. He's working to perfect you. He's working to grow you. And if you're here this morning, if you braved it out in the snowy weather this morning, if you made it down 72nd Street, which I heard was terrible, if you made it that way, if you came here, God is at work. And even if you're sitting at home watching on the couch on Facebook this morning where it's snug by the fireplace, I'm telling you, God is at work in your life. He's working all things out. Now let's look at verse number 12. He said, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me. Somebody say, the things which happened to me. He said, the things which happened to me have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And what I want to teach you this morning is why you should appreciate adversity. Why we should appreciate difficult things. Now, I love the book of Philippians. People ask me all the time, what's your favorite book as a pastor? And I start thinking about them. You know, I like the Doctrine of Romans. Genesis is a fun one to read with stories. But probably Philippians is like one of my favorite. Philippians is a book that's filled with joy. This is the book where he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, and, you know, he's writing that in spite of the things that happened to him. What things happened to Paul? He's in prison when he's writing the book. I mean, he's in Rome. It was probably the Mamertine prison, a subterranean prison cell, chained between guards, and it's cold, it's dank, and he's in that place, and he's writing letters out to people. I mean, he's writing about joy. Think about what happened to Paul. Beaten, shipwrecked, stoned. He was starved. He went through all kinds of persecutions from people that didn't like him, and yet here he is in a difficult situation, and he's writing about joy and good tidings, and he's pretty fired up in this book. He's in an adverse moment, and yet God is using that. Now, I was studying through the one-year Bible. I was just reading through my reading plan, and it was like the Lord just highlighted this to me. He said here in verse 12, I want you to know that the things that happened to me, all the adversity, all the frustration, all the suffering, all the difficult moments in life, all the pain that I'm going through, he said, has actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. The first thing we can say about adversity is that it's something 
that propels you forward. Think about what adversity does. It's propelling you. It's moving you forward in a direction. That's what he said here in this verse. It's, it's forward progress. That's what adversity creates. It, it's this forward momentum in, in your life. And God used imprisonment in the life of Paul for him to achieve his purposes. First of all, you know, Paul kind of became a legend. I mean, Peter wrote about Paul, and, and he, he, he's kind of got this reputation where, you know, he's got people following him, and he's vocal, and he's ending up in prison. I mean, they really were blessed by his ministry. If he wasn't in prison, he probably never would have been able to write three-fifths of the New Testament in the letter form. I mean, God used this moment when he was locked up for, for us to be able to look back in time and read his letters. That adversity is something that created a forward momentum in his life. I think about the adverse situation that Moses found himself in when he was unceremoniously kicked out of Egypt and had to find himself on the backside of the wilderness 40 years tending sheep. But God used that adversity to raise him up as a deliverer. Daniel found himself in an adverse situation. The crazy king Nebuchadnezzar had said, I had a dream and I want the wise men to interpret it. And if they don't interpret it, I'm cutting off their heads. And in that moment when Daniel sought the Lord, God answered him with a dream. And the adversity that he was in actually propelled him forward. He got promoted in the kingdom. It came through an adverse situation. We can think about John on the island of Patmos, boiled in oil all alone. And in that adverse place, God gave him the book of Revelation, the greatest idea, the greatest picture of the end times. I mean, he revealed the word of the Lord, the future that was to come in an adverse, uncomfortable situation. What I've often said, in this, that what I've discovered in life, is that there are certain advantages to adversity. Adversity is like, uh, helps develop strength in you. Kind of like resistance strength. That's what happens when you go to the gym and you're lifting weights. You know, I've been going to the gym these days and I always admire people who show up and, you know, their gym clothes, their tank tops, the sweatbands and shorts and they're with the tennis shoes and they're cracking out some, you know, curls and doing some bench presses and, and they're working and, and, you know, that's what people do. They, they like to go to the gym. Now, what I found out about people, though, is they don't always stay consistent going to the gym. Sometimes they just rather, you know, take it easy, and so they don't always make the effort to get out. And God knows that, you know, sometimes people aren't willing to make some of those efforts. So the good news is that God will bring the gym to you in the form of adversity, difficulties, trials. He knows exactly what's required in order to help grow you through things. If you don't have adversity, you know what happens? You never spread your wings out to learn how to fly. Now, I have traveled some places in the world. One place that's kind of on my bucket list is New Zealand. And I found out that there's a little island, part of the New Zealand chain called Codfish Island, and they have birds on the island, but the birds don't fly. And they were trying to figure out why these seemingly normal birds can't fly. They dissected them, they looked at it, what they found out was the birds are perfectly fine. There's no predators on the island. And with the absence of predators, the birds never did learn how to fly. They just stay around. That's all part of the culture there because there was never any adversity to help them develop. I remember uh, about a year ago, we were watching the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, The Last Dance. Anyone catch The Last Dance on ESPN? I do think Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. <laughs> and, you know, he's always talking about his brother beating him. He's talking about getting cut from the high school basketball team. 
And that adversity is what propelled him. It gave him strength. It motivated him. That's, that, that's what adversity will do in your life. Adversity is one of those things that helps mature you. I think about what the book of James says. James chapter 1. Count all joy when you fall into various temptations and trials. And I read that verse for years, and I laughed at it. Count it all joy, right? <laughs> when you go through difficult people and difficult problems. And, 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 and he said, but if you let patience have its perfect work in you, you'll be complete. You'll be mature. You'll be whole and lacking nothing. I think about some difficult things I've been through that matured me. One of the greatest things we ever went through, Elizabeth and I, was when our first marriage, she had a massive student loan bill. And we worked hard to pay that off, man. We, we paid 500 bucks a week for 23 months. We were staying home with my mom and grandma and just trying to scrap and, and make it happen so we could get it paid off. And you know, that has paid lifelong dividends for me. It's taught me discipline. It, it's helped me stay focused. I, I understood that it, 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 you can get through all kinds of problems and, and, and I learned how to budget. And, and that one adverse situation became a lifelong blessing for me. Something I'm very grateful for today that in the moment, I didn't think there was any way we were going to make it. I was scared. I, I was felt overwhelmed. I didn't know if we could get through it, and yet God brought us through it. Adversity will do that to you. That, that, there's an advantage. And Paul said, I'm in prison, but it's for the furtherance of the gospel. The adversity I'm faced with is actually propelling me forward. Man, adversity is incredible like that. Uh, what adversity does is it enhances your understanding about life. Because what you end up realizing is that life is good, but it's hard. And you've got to have coping skills. You've got to learn some resolve, perseverance, dedication, devotion, diligence. All those things help you get through certain things in life. And adversity is a teacher that helps you kind of learn how to be resilient and get through things and stay focused. And that's why I'm grateful for adversity. It helps push you in the right directions. You know, adversity, ultimately, what it does is it helps develop your trust in God. Because when you've been through difficult moments and you've seen that God comes through for you again and again and time and time again, it, it, it's like, man, it feels so good and refreshing when you've been through it with God. I mean, he, he, he shows himself strong, and it encourages you, and it fires you up. And man, I was just thinking about times where God has come through with me. Like, I remember one time I was mowing my yard as my kid was in the NICU, and I had no idea how we were going to get through the bills on that and what that would entail. And I was mowing the yard and sweating and freaking out, and, and, and yet the Lord brought me through it. I can look back about it. I can look at my mom and the in the, uh, when she was in Salt Lake City and she had an aneurysm and, and we didn't know what was going on, but God was faithful and he came through. And it just, it, it, it's like emboldened me. It, it, it's like, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of adversity. When I see adversity coming my way, I don't have to run from it. I can face it down. I understand that it has the potential to grow me. It has the potential to further me. It has the potential to help develop me as a person. That's called character development. That's adversity. And God uses adversity to help grow you, even when you don't think you can handle it. God's got you. Paul said it's for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, here's the second advantage of adversity. This is why you should appreciate it. Look at verse number 13. Paul said that it has become evident. Somebody say evident. It's become evident to the whole palace guard, the Roman praetorium. 
He said, and to everyone who's around me, that my chains are in Christ. This is something that I have learned uh, as I've walked with God. That adversity may in fact be the evidence that God is at work. That evidence is, you know, one of those things that helps you form a judgment, helps you understand. Adversity or evidence is is an indicator that that things are are lining up, that things are working out. And, And sometimes you have to see the adversity as maybe God's hand at work in your life. I mean, Noah found himself in a diverse situation, in an ark for 40 days and 40 nights, and the evidence that he had that God was at work was when a dove flew back with all the branch in his mouth. And then he knew that God was working things. Or we could think about Jesus in the wilderness. He's in adversity, and as he's out there, he came through the wilderness and returned in the power of the Spirit. See, God was working in the middle of that adversity. I have a friend who's told me, and, and he, he's a preacher, and it's something I never had thought of until he said it. He said that I don't look for things to go easy to know if I'm in the will of God. I look for adversity. And if I see adversity, that's kind of how it lets me know that things are moving in a certain direction. And I, I remember, you know, I had this uh, experience take place recently here when we had some revival nights with my friend Ted Shuttlesworth. And it was like, man... Every kind of problem sprung up. I had a little girl who we thought had pink eye, and we took her to the doctor, and and they started freaking out, telling my wife, hey, she's got some blockage behind the eye. We don't know what it is. She might be blind. and I mean, just little hindrances along the way. We we had some revival nights. Pe- people got, some people came down with COVID. It was, like, it was like everywhere along the way, everything we tried to do, there was resistance. And that's when it signaled me in. Oh, no, this is, this is God at work in a situation. He's working to grow. He just uses sometimes situations where adversity, that resistance from the devil, that's how you know that you're moving forward in a direction. It's the preponderance of the evidence. You know what that phrase, the preponderance of the evidence, mean? It's like a, a legal term, which helps you identify you know, if there's sufficient evidence that, that could tell you that, that there's more, uh, you know, that it's more correctly right than wrong that there's more true than not. That, that's the requirements of the law, sufficient evidence to see that. The thing about resistance when God is working is that you have to be able to discern it because not everyone discerns resistance. You, you got to be able to identify it. Now, I was on my way to the gym this last week, and I'm a, I'm a morning man, so I was up at 445. And at 445, you know, you're, you're not thinking about much. You're just trying to get your contacts in, get out the door. So I don't, I'm not far from the gym, but as I was driving down the road, I noticed I couldn't see anything. And it was like I had to blink my eyes a bunch of times. I'm driving along. I'm trying to blink. I'm trying to figure out what to do. And you know what I found out? That I had put my wife's contacts in. <laughs> it's very frustrating to be in a gym with, with, without being able to see very well. But that's what a lot of people do, man. They, they aren't fully discerning of situations taking place. They don't fully uh, see clearly that God might be working in this situation. They're trying to blink and trying to figure out what's going on, and it could be that the adversity is actually the evidence that God is working. And a lot of times, his work involves very deep personal things. And this is the way God has dealt with me. Things that like other people wouldn't notice, but I notice. Maybe you've, you know, 
got some attitudes in your heart that need to be corrected or exaggerations that you talk. And, and, and so when you say something or do something, it, 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 it's like you, you, you can sense, I, I don't know if that should, there's a little bit of resistance with that. I'll tell you what I noticed. When I was rebellious in high school, I, I could not get anything to work out. I mean, I was always getting caught. That was no good. And it was like I couldn't get ahead financially. I was always having problems and drama. And, and what it was was that resistance. That, that Really what it was was God was at work. It was the evidence that he was working to turn my heart. And he did. That's a very personal thing. And that's how God works. He might work in a personal way. He, he also might work in what I call a, uh, a private way, which is where people that are very close to you can identify certain things. I'm sure grateful for my wife, Elizabeth, because we'll be in moments where, you know, I can tell when she's going through a battle. I can tell when she's going through a struggle. I, if maybe there's an attack coming against her, if she's down, she can tell when that happens to me. And, and so we can pick each other up. We can you know, hold each other accountable. We can help each other walk through things. I'm sure grateful for that. Yeah, I thank God for Sister Elizabeth. I do remember that before I met Elizabeth, I had been dating a girl. And I was on the phone with her. We got into an argument because the, the girl was prone to get into arguments. And so I'm on the phone. We're kind of like, you know, working our way through conflict. And my mother, after that conversation, was like, dump that girl and get yourself a new one. That adversity was the evidence that God was at work. I'm sure grateful I listened to my mom's advice. She was close enough to me to see this resistance, this problem you're facing, this isn't, this isn't right. But God used it because then I became willing to go look online on the internet and find a girl in Canada. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it took adversity to push me that direction. Yeah. And eventually, the adversity that you're facing it becomes evident to everybody. That's what Paul said here. It's evident to the whole palace guard. It's evident to the Roman praetorium. Everybody that's a soldier that's in there can see that my chains are in Christ. And I love the way he ends the epistle in chapter 4 in the 22nd verse. And he said, hey, we're all greeting you. And by the way, those of Caesar's household say hello. I mean, some of the soldiers who, who, who was in that household could have been servants. And, and everywhere that Paul was. He, he was a witness. They could see the way that he handled pressure. They could tell that God was with him. And that resistance was the evidence that God was there. Speaking of my wonderful wife, I do remember when we were having our second child and she had to have a C-section. And they had nurses who were literally fighting over who could take care of her because she was such an easy client to be with. She had a witness and people knew who she was. And so one nurse finally was like, she's mine and everyone else back off. And <laughs> it's because when people see how you handle adversity and they watch that, that you are cool under pressure, that is a witness for people. Man, adversity is a powerful thing if you let it work. And every time I'm faced with adversity, man, uh, instead of you know, getting stressed out and worked about it, I've learned how to stay calm. I've learned how to appreciate it in the moment because of what it can do. It could be the evidence that God is working in your life. Now, here's number three. Watch this in verse 14. He said, it, he said My, it's evident to people, and most of the brethren have become confident in my chains, and they are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
Let me give you a third thought about adversity and why we should appreciate it and why I'm thankful for it. Because adversity can create confidence in your life. It will propel you forward, strengthen you. And adversity could be the evidence that God is actively working. But it has this amazing ability to create confidence. When you go through difficult situations and circumstances and you come out on the other side, man, you feel great about that. You know, it's, it's like going to the gym. Uh, I have some workout friends that I meet up at the gym. They weren't there this week. And on Thursday morning, I was laying in bed and I was kind of tempted just to be there with my wife and stay nice and snug in the sheets. But I like going to the gym because I like the way it makes me feel after I'm done. Even though I'm sweating and it's difficult and people are yelling at me and it's five in the morning, I do like how I feel afterwards. And that's what happens when you go through a difficult thing and come out on the other side. Man, you feel like a champ. That's, that's something that adversity works. Think about the disciples in the book of Acts. These were bold men. This is what the militant apostle Paul said. He said, people that have seen my example are much more bold to speak the word of God. And here you've got a bold group of disciples. Think about all that they'd been through in their time with Jesus. They'd been with him on the mountaintop. When he's, you know, doing the Sermon on the Mount and feeding multitudes of people. And they went with him in difficult places through his passion, his death on the cross, his burial. And, and then to experience the resurrection and, and the highs and the lows. And after they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they were faced with persecution. It was like these guys knew exactly what it was to go through ups and downs and walk with the Lord. And it created a confidence and a boldness. In them. If there's anything that we need in America today, it's bold believers. Because I'm telling you, there is a politically correct culture that wants to keep you quiet. They don't want you to say nothing. And, and I'm just telling you that, you know, even as a millennial, I started seeing in high school the attitude that was pervasive in the, in the culture. And the attitude is, hey, listen, if Jesus is your homeboy and he works for you, that's great. Just don't push it on me. Just leave me alone. And that's kind of like the attitude we have today. People are like, well, that's great if it works for you. But that's not the attitude that the early church took. These guys were bold in their faith. They were always talking about it and sharing their faith wherever they went. They, they were not afraid to do things. I, I was really amazed by some of the reactions I had when I came back from India. Because I had people who, who were like family, like not, not here, but extended family. And they said, man, I don't know that you should be going to India and trying to convert people because they're in their religion and that's kind of what they do. And, and some people were like, really, you'd go do that? But as Sister Ari quoted today from the book of Matthew, that's Jesus' words to go into all the world and teach the Bible to all nations, discipling them and baptizing. That is the commission that we've been given. And to do that, it's going to require a certain level of boldness to take place. And you get boldness when you go through some difficult things, when you go through some trials. Man, you know, boldness, it's one of those things that helps you kind of step into what we call the anointing, where God's Spirit will back you up. It's like that boldness has the ability to unlock certain things. I remember one time when I was, um, at a, uh, I was a cashier at a, at a little store, 
And some guy had come through buying a bunch of stuff. He was broken. He was hurting. He was addicted. He was frustrated. And he was kind of talking to me about all the problems, all the trials, everything he's facing, and beaten down. And as I'm checking him out, I felt God's spirit just kind of put something in me. And just as he was about to go out the door, I said, sir, hey, listen, you know, you got these problems, and I'm telling you that the answer is Jesus. And he changed my life, and he can change your life. And, and I asked him if I could pray for him. I mean, right there, it hit him. And, and, and he said, you know, you're, you're right. And he accepted prayer. I prayed with him. I shared my faith with him. And, and, and that's what boldness is, is God backs you up. This happened to my Aunt Darla one time. She was in Denver, and she uh, was coming out of a shopping mall. In, in a, her car was parked in the, in the um, uh, parking meter there, and a man had robbed her. He came behind her grabbed her arm, put her in the back of the car, and he said, give me all your money. Give me your... And she said, I got credit cards and a watch. And so he took her watch, and as she's sitting there kind of processing it, she felt boldness. She felt God's spirit on her. And she turned around. As he's walked away, she said, sir, you need the Lord. (laughs) And you know what he did? He broke down crying. He said, you're right, pray for me, and he gave everything back to her. She said, if you had to ask nicely, I would have bought you something. Boldness. That's what it takes, man. That's where God's Spirit starts working. Now, boldness, watch this. Let me tell you about boldness. Look at verse 15. He said, some people will preach Christ from envy and strife, and some people will preach from goodwill. He said, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my change. See, boldness works when there is sincerity. Because when you're bold, it's disarming. It can disarm people. And man, confidence becomes inspiring if they can perceive that you're a sincere person. This is how I have learned to resolve conflict. Instead of getting angry and frustrated at people, if you're just sincere and you're honest and you don't have an agenda, you can be bold and people will buy into it. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying if there's sincerity, boldness can be very effective. And in verse 17, he said that the latter, the people who are sincere, preach Christ out of love. You know, boldness is one of those things that really stems and flows from the love of God. I like what, what 1 John 4 says. He said there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So as long as you've got God's love flowing in your heart, and you're not trying to get something from somebody, man, you can be a bold witness. I would say that my grandma Dolores is a bold person. Some people might say I'm an obnoxious person, but we'll go with boldness today. So I remember we had a guy over at the house one time, and uh, he was working on the flooring. And my grandma knew his father, and she knew that they went to church. So the guy's working on the flooring. He's a young guy. She said to him, uh, you going to church with your dad? And he kind of hemmed and hawed. He said, well, you know, no, I, not really. I've kind of quit going. She's about four foot nine, and she took that toothpick out of her mouth, and she stuck her little finger right in his chest. And she said, hell is hot, young man. <laughs> and he, he kind of got shocked. And, you know, but it was done because, man, I remember when grandma would talk to me as a teenager. And it was bold, and it was direct, but I knew she loved me. And if you love people, if you know how to love people, I'm telling you, you can be bold. See, adversity has this amazing way of working things out and strengthening you and increasing you and your confidence. And and I am grateful for adversity. 
I'm also grateful for brother-in-laws because they help me through difficult situations. I'm grateful for some of the trials I've been through and have people there with me and, and, and hold my hand and walk me through things. Now, I want to ask you the question this morning. Uh, are you making progress moving forward or are you stuck somewhere? Because I, I find this a lot sometimes. People get stuck at various places in life and they're not moving forward. And sometimes it's just because nothing's going on or sometimes it's because there's maybe adversity that they're not identifying what it is. What does they have the potential to do? Is it working something in your life? And if you don't discern it properly, you might run from it. You might get frustrated. You might not appreciate what it has the power to do, how it's working in you, what it's doing. And I don't know, maybe that's where you're at. You're just in a struggle somehow and you don't know what to do about it. Or, you know, maybe, maybe you're not confident, you're hesitant all the time and you feel like, I, 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 I'm not as bold as I could be. And sometimes that just takes the love of God, confidence, but sometimes it takes adversity. Sometimes you can use that adversity to move you forward. I don't know if that's where you're at or what you're struggling with, but in this holiday season, it's a good time for us to remember. There's other people with adverse circumstances, like we talked about, people being in prison or maybe in, in their body, health situations. And I'm just here to encourage you to take adversity and walk with it. Let, let it work in your life. Paul says for the furtherance of the gospel. I want to pray that over you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for what you're working. You're working all things out together for good to those that love you and are called according to your purpose. And I just thank you, Lord, for your work. We, we don't want to hide from difficulties. We, we can count it all joy because we know you're faithful. We know you're right there with us. And I pray that over this people in the name of Jesus. Jesus. You know, I want to do something. Jerry, back there in the back row, I want to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. Can you come on down here? I think I got some oil up here. This brother has been going through some struggles. And uh, if I get Daniel, you want to come over here, Daniel? I want to anoint the man with oil. As the book of James says that uh, you call for the elders of the church and anoint him with oil. And I just felt led. I felt very strongly impressed to pray over you, Jerry. You know, if you want to see a guy who's overcome some adversity, talk to Jerry here. Reach a hand out and pray with us. Father, in Jesus' name, over this man. Lord, I just thank you for keeping him healthy and whole. And I bind that vertigo and those balance problems. And I just pray right now, Lord, in his life. But everything he's been through. Jerry, you've talked about all the struggles and trials you've been through. Yeah. And I just declare in Jesus' name, it's working. It's furthering. It's increasing. It's blessing you. Father, I think, you know what, Jerry? I feel like God's going to give you a voice to speak into the lives of young men and encourage them because of everything you've been through. So, Father, I thank you for this, this man and his voice, this man and his life, this man and his example. Father, head to toe, every area of his life, in the name of Jesus, Man, you're going to run your race and finish strong, Jerry. You're going to finish strong. Amen. Amen. Hey, anyone else want some oil laid on? Anyone going through something? I just feel like anointing people with oil this morning in the house of the Lord. Yeah, Steve, I'm going to lay hands on you. Yeah. Now, you just went to the doctor, didn't you? The eye situation? Yeah. Yeah, Daniel, come over here. I'm going to pray All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, over this man. Hmm. Lord, as much as he's traveling and on the road and he's a witness everywhere he goes, I thank you, Father, for you open up doors. I feel like things that were hard are going to become easy for you. Doors that were once shut are going to come open for you. And I just pray, Lord, total healing in his body. And head to toe, Lord, 
Touch them everywhere. I just, this is going to be a great Christmas season for you. Over your family, over your home. Bless his business, Lord. Bless everything he's doing. Bless the work it's in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm. Man, I got some oil. I feel the Holy Spirit today. I just feel like maybe you're in a battle. Maybe you're in a difficult spot. Maybe there's a frustration. And we can pray for you. We can help you. I just believe that God's moving. Amen. 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 Amen, brother. Amen. Head to toe. Nathan, in the name of Jesus, we're praying over you. Lord, I just thank you. Mm. Mm. Father, in Jesus' name, over this man. Mm. You know, the Lord is calling you, to, as I said, to be a leader. And sometimes you look back at some things you've been through, you realize it's the hand of God. He's positioning you and purposing you as a father, as a husband, as a leader. And I just, I feel like that your maturity is about to, it's elevated. So Lord, we thank you for this man, that you're working things in his life. You're maturing him. You're bringing him a season of fruitfulness. Father, I thank you for strengthening him in the name of Jesus. Nathan, we're proud of you. God's got great things ahead for you, man. Amen. Amen. Mm. Man, I feel the sweet spirit of the Lord here. Right, just stand up with me. Let's just take a moment. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Jerry, I feel the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you, Father, for touching her head to toe, bringing her through situations and problems. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sweet spirit. You know, Jerry, I think sometimes people overlook you, but the Lord doesn't overlook you. He sees your heart. He sees your heart. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you, Lord. You've not forgotten her. You're watching out over her, over your children. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, over your children, your children's children. Father, I thank you for answers to prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you know what I feel when I pray for you? I feel the adversity that your family is facing is like a hedge of thorns. And, and what God is trying to use that to do is point them the direction back to him. So yes. as they go through some of these trials, man, it's the Lord. And he's at work in them. And here's your cry. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amy McManus, come on over. I, I get around you every time I see I feel like praying for you. I don't know. You, you do such amazing work for the Lord. So, Father, in Jesus' name. Amy, I just pray protection over you. Protection. Protection over your mind. You have a difficult field you're working in. And, Father, I just thank you for protection, protecting her and Mark. Mm. It, mm. Increasing their wisdom. Mm. You know, I, I was just laying hands on you. I just felt the wisdom of God. God's going to increase your wisdom. He's going to increase it. He's going to show you what to do. He's going to give you favor. Thank you for the wisdom of God in this woman. Thank you for the strength of God. Thank you for the joy of the Lord stirring her. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, man. We're anointed with oil. Lord, I just pray the peace of the Lord over her mind. God, give her peace. Comfort of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord healing in her body. How's your brother doing? We pray for him. Um, <clears throat> he, he's, they're walking and he's, he's doing better. He's getting better. He had a big wreck. Yeah. yeah. So Lord, I just pray over her family. She's a witness to everybody. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Man, I feel the presence of the Lord. The sweet aroma. I, I feel like you better be prepared uh, for difficult things because God could use them. I feel that way these two boys are father in Jesus name twins over here Lord head to toe both of them 
Lord, I thank you for these men that are growing into men. And I pray, Lord, that they're tall in the natural, but tall in the spiritual. I thank you, Father, for them as giants before you, Lord, increasing them. And Lord, make them uh, as witnesses. I pray they would not be contaminated by school systems. But I pray, Lord, that they'd be witnesses and have wisdom. I thank you for wise counsel in their hearts and sensitive hearts to the Lord. Thank you, Father, for these boys. Protect them and use them in Jesus' name. Feel, I feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you for letting me lay hands on people. I felt led to do that. I felt led to do that. Yeah. Hey, I, I was thinking about you know the Apostle Paul. He was a prisoner in prison, and it kind of reminded me of a story a preacher friend of mine told me. He was overseas at a prison, and in the prison, he he had the opportunity to go minister on death row, cell block E, and. Uh, he got back there and he was surprised. A man met him with a Bible. Said he was kind of like the spiritual leader of that prison unit. And the guy told him, we're all condemned men. He said, everyone who's in this block are condemned to death. And so he said, well, what did you do to get that? He said, well, I killed someone. He said, who did you kill? He said, I killed my children, which really shocked. But he said, we're all here. All of us are condemned men. We're sentenced to death. And we'd like to have Bible study with you. And so he started preaching, and as he was preaching, he looked out, he saw people engaged, set those prisoners free, bro. And, and he said he felt this burning desire to, uh, to set those prisoners free. And he thought, man, I, I, I know they're right with God. I know they want to be with them. And, and he was thinking about, you know, even the government couldn't release them. Even the government could let them go. There's no one that you could write to to get a pardon. And then he realized how powerful the blood of Jesus was. Because that's the only thing that can bring you out of a prison of sin. The only thing that can deliver you is Jesus. And I, I don't know this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, if, if you don't know the Lord, if you're locked in a place of sin, if you're in prison somewhere, I want you to just put a hand up and I want to pray over you. I want to pray the peace of the Lord in your life to deliver you. That's what he came to. He set the captives free and set prisoners free. Amen. Amen. All right. Lord, we just thank you for this great group of people that know you and serve you. Hey, you got an assignment, which is to be a witness everywhere you go. And uh, I want to thank you for coming out today. We love you. Uh, I want to challenge you to invite someone out to church on Christmas Eve. Man, we're going to have a great, great time in the house of the Lord. What a great day to be in here. Amen? We love you very much. We'll catch you all this next week.